G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Today with Jeff Vines, author, pastor, apologist and Bible teacher with a straight-talking message from the Word. After David commits the sin with Bathsheba, he develops a whole pattern in his life. You know what the pattern is? Conceal, cover up and deny. Today with Jeff Vines. Hello, my name is Bill. Thanks for joining us here on Today with Jeff Vines. And we're progressing with our series on the life of David and what we can learn from the trials in his world. Pastor Jeff is bringing us the rest of his message on the consequences for covering up sin and wrongdoing. We're in 2 Samuel chapter 16, verse 20. And just a word of warning for anyone with young ears that might be listening, there is some adult content in these verses. Let's get into the rest of the message now on Today with Jeff Vines. There are many of you in the room that God wants to use to a great degree. He does, man. He looks at you and he says, man, I'm going to use you. I'm going to give you talents and more talents. You've been faithful with a little bit. I'm going to give you more. But he can't. And the reason he can't is because he knows you've got something that you're hiding, that you won't confess and deal with. And he knows if he builds his kingdom up around you and you're the face to the place, that the time will come at that most crucial period when the kingdom's about to explode and really take off, he knows that somebody has the goods on you and they're gonna bring it and everything he spent your lifetime building will all come falling down. I'm not saying that the consequences won't come if you confess, but I'm saying that you can minimize the damage if you'll just come clean with God. There's a second reason that we conceal rather than confess. We conceal because of pride and self-preservation. You think about it. What do we care most about? What people think about us. Come on, you know that's true. I remember when I was in high school, we're going over to Kingsport, Tennessee to play our crosstown rivals. My dad never put pressure on me in a game, never. But this time he did. He said, son, you know, you're playing in front of my old high school basketball coach, Buck Van Hus. I mean, the whole stadium was named after him. I've told him all about my son and all the Vines family. They're going to be there. So I'm not putting any pressure. You know, let's, let's, let's play the best game possible. I got to tell you, it was the worst game of my life. The hoop became the size of about a bare aspirin. There's no way that ball is going to fit through there. I couldn't make any shots. It was a disaster. Ten minutes into the game, I got a really bad attitude, which didn't happen to me very often. But this time, it came out in full force. I just got depressed. You ever, if it's ever happened to you, just of all the dismal failure, I just convinced myself, man, this is worthless. I can't do it. It's just a bad night. And I'd come over, and the head coach would see this look in my eyes, and he'd say, come on, Jeff, you're the captain. We need you. We need you. Just put the pass behind you. Let's go but I just couldn't do it. 
It came to the end of the game when I had a chance to win the game for us, but just the attitude was wrong. The effort was not there. Dismal failure. And I walked off the court with my head hanging low. And who was there to meet me? Big coach Eddie Carver, who took his finger, pointed into my sternum and said those three words, vines, you stink. (laughs) You got no intestinal fortitude, man. You're a gutless wonder. The measure of your gutlessness is surprising. And now what are you going to do? I said, well, I'm going to go home. No, you're not. You're going to march into that locker room and you're going to confess to your teammates that you care more about yourself than you do the team. Ooh, he was right. But there was no way I was going to do that. No way I'm going to tell my team and let them know that I'm a self-absorbed narcissist. I don't care about them. No, forget that because most of us, we don't confess. We conceal because we want people to like us and we're afraid if we tell them what we, what we really are and what we've really done, that we won't have their friendship anymore. Let me just tell you something. Here's what you learned past 40. It takes a while. Here's what you learn. Any friend of yours that when you confess what you've done in the past, who walks away, they were never your friend to begin with. They were only in it for self-interest. As a matter of fact, if you want to sift out your bad friends from your good ones, go out and commit some really bad sin. Now, don't do that. Don't do that. But if you commit a bad sin, you come and confess it. Right away, you'll discover who's really in your corner and who is not. And when I committed that sin that I shared with you a couple of weeks ago, my dad was there, but I only had one friend who came to me and said, his name was Timothy. He came to me and said, Jeff, you did the right thing. I'm here for you, man. I'm going to help you through this. And together we will conquer what we have to face. We conceal because we care more about what people think about us than God. And pride and self-preservation stops us from doing the right thing. And then third, here's the big one. We really believe, the reason we conceal rather than confess... We really believe the lie that deceit and sin are the best antidotes for deceit and sin. Got it? We really believe that deceit and sin are the best antidotes for deceit and sin. Now, this is amazing to me. We really think if we just keep stacking up the lies, now think about, how does this math work? We think if we just keep stacking up the lies, lie and deceit, lie and deceit, cover up, cover up. We think if we just keep doing that, sooner or later, we'll get right back around to the beginning where we started. How does that work? Now, I want to say something here that is the most profound thing you've heard probably ever in your life. It's worth your coming today. I'm going to pose it as a question and give you the answer. If you stack manure up, what do you get? Bigger piles of manure. How profound is that? Courtesy of Michigan State University. For your viewing pleasure, this is what you get. If you stack it and stack it, it doesn't go away. You don't come around to the beginning again as if nothing happened. You just get bigger piles of manure. And David lost so much. But really, at the end of the day, what impacted him more than anything else was he lost his relationship with God. A wedge came in between he and his maker. And he writes, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. He says, for day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the summer heat. Have you ever been back summer in the east? And when it's 100 degrees and 100% humidity and walked in that and been thankful and got down on your knees and kissed the fact that you're from California? Have you ever done that? I mean, that happened to me a couple of weeks ago in Naples, Florida. It was 95 and 95% humidity. I went out and tried to hit some balls on the driving range for a half an hour. I thought I was going to pass out. I came in, I was all shaky. I thought I was having a heart attack. It just zaps your energy. David says, 
The worst thing about concealing is that God won't let you sleep. There'll be no peace. Now, folks, Philip Yancey in his book, Where's God When It Hurts, says that lepers lose their ability to feel pain, and pain is a good thing. If you put your hand in the fire, you pull it back, pain lets you know, hey, warning, warning, you better pull this away or greater destruction is going to occur. He says there's also the pain of the soul that's been implanted in every one of us by God so that when we continue to resist confession and come clean with who we are and what we've done, there is a fracture of pain of the soul designed to spur us on toward confession and repentance to let us know that if we keep going down this path, greater destruction will occur and our relationship with God will be lost. But you know the biggest problem with concealing folks is that if you're not right with God, you can't be right with anybody else. If you're not right with God, it's impossible. You may come into this room, I may not know you, and you may be successful for the next 20 years at hiding what you've done, concealing the, the addiction or the sin that, which you're presently involved. None of us may ever find out that you're having an affair, that you're sleeping with your boyfriend or your girlfriend to whom you're not married, that you're addicted to pornography, you've been embezzling money from the company, you've been lying to your parents. We may never find that out about you, but I can promise you this, as long as you hide it and conceal it and refuse to confess it, you will pay a high price, relationally speaking, And here's why. Do you know what all of us want more than anything else? We want to be fully known and still fully loved. We want somebody else to have all the goods on us and still love us. To know that Pastor Jeff is an angel fan and that ticks me off. (laughs) To know that he's got some weird mannerisms. To know he talks so fast and I want to just jump on stage and say, slow down. To know that he dresses funny. He gets his clothes from obviously the same place. (laughs) I know you think that about me. I'm okay with To know he's got his so many issues and to still love Pastor Jeff. All of us want that more than anything else. And that will never happen as long as there's something in your life that you're not dealing with. It will not only affect your relationship with God, but with your wife, with your husband, with your family, with your children. I married a couple in Zimbabwe. Interesting couple. Beautiful young woman. Loved God. Just had everything together. And I was quite surprised she married this guy named David. David was a good guy. A little rough around the edges though. And David, everybody knew. Again, it's that whole situation where he, he outpunted his punt coverage. I mean, he got a, the girl of his dreams. And God had blessed him immensely. So I performed the wedding. Everything was fine for about the first year, year and a half. And then, I don't know, 18, 19 months into the marriage, I started noticing David coming to church every week and he looked like he was just depressed. Looked like the saddest person on the planet. And all of us guys were thinking, man, why are you sad? It's like you got the, I mean, you you married an angel. What's your problem? It's just sadness. Finally, one day after church, I said, David, man, you okay? What's wrong? He said, man, Pastor Jeff, I got to talk to you, please. I said, sure. Okay, let's meet in the city. We'll talk. We met in the city. We talked. And it took a long time to get it out of him. I said, man, what's the problem? I said, is your marriage in trouble? No, marriage is good. You you having second thoughts? No, man. I mean, man, I I don't deserve this wife. And I said, I I know that, but what what else is new? (laughs) Oh, Pastor Jeff, what's the problem then? And he said, Pastor Jeff, 
I cheated on my wife a day before the wedding ceremony. And I, she doesn't know. And, and everything's fine, but I, it's just eating on the inside at me, man. It's just, it's a wedge between me and God, me and her. I don't know what to do. My counselor says, don't tell her. What do you think? I said, here's what I think. I think you're going to tell her. Are you sure? Yeah, but I'm going to walk you through it. Because if you're going to do this, you got to do it carefully and precisely. And I walked him through it. Yes, he slept on the couch, I guess six months. Yes, there, he went through the fire and it was difficult. But it soon subsided. And now they live in the UK with three kids and they're as happy as ever. And there's trust in their relationship. Because had she found that out from somebody else, we know statistically speaking, it's almost impossible for the marriage to recover. But if you confess and admit what you've done, the possibility of restoration happens. Remember Jim Baker with Jessica Hahn in his book entitled, I Was Wrong? He said, looking back now, I realize I should have handled things differently. Concerning my sin with Jessica Hahn, I should have admitted my moral failure to the leaders of the Assemblies of God, my denominational affiliation. As a minister who committed adultery but sought forgiveness and restoration, I should have told them. And the whole matter could have been diffused. I should have submitted to my spiritual elders. And whatever discipline they designed, I could have saved the ministry, my marriage, my life. And then he writes, in retrospect, I now consider it would have been the right thing to do to confess to Tammy Faye right after it happened and accepted the consequences right then and there. I believe she could have handled it and we could have been able to work through it, but I decided that the counselor knew best, so I kept silent. And if he were here today, Jim Baker would say this to every single one of us. I know from where you are sitting, it appears that the consequences of confession far outweigh the consequences of concealing. But I'm telling you, it doesn't. Go through the fire, fess up, do the spiritual surgery and you can get your life back. Now, permission to speak freely. I, I, I can't talk to you ladies in this situation because I know I'm limited. I, I'm, not, I'm not a lady, not a woman. I, and I, I'm very careful to say things to you unless my wife tells me I can. <laughs> and this might apply to you too, but I'll have to let the Spirit of God do that. I want to talk to the men just a moment. Guys, you need to understand, and I'm only saying this because I've been there and done that, if there's something in your life that you have not confessed, or if there's something you're presently doing that you're concealing, you think it's not impacting you. Let me tell you, you're fooling yourself. It's destroying you internally piece by piece. Not like a napalm bomb, more like a BB gun. You, it's hard to kill a guy with a BB gun, but you can. A long period of time, just keep firing the BBs. And that's what happens. You're destroying yourself inside and what you don't realize is the poison that is in you is now leaking out to your wife and to your kids and to everybody around you. And all I'm saying is this, if you will just come clean, you will sit your children down with the advice of a spiritual counselor and your wife or whoever it is that you're offending, whatever it is that you're doing, and you will confess what you've done, then here's what will happen. You will give your wife and kids the opportunity to love you for who you really are, not what you're pretending to be. And the healing can come. So what I do, Jeff. Now, some of you, you're thinking, man, are there really that many people in here that are hiding something? Absolutely. I'd say most of us to some degree. What do I do? What's the way back? I want my life back, number one. Repent, stop doing it. 
Rocket science. Stop it. You heard it here first. Repent. Knock it off. Okay? That's it. Two, confess to God. Come clean. Fess up. Unfortunately, confession is like surgery. The closer you get to it, the more you try to put it off. I got a cold. People say, I shouldn't have surgery if I'm sick. My kids have a birthday party. I don't want to be ill during the birthday party. I got this big event coming up. No, get it done and get it done now. Repent, confess to God. And then here's the one we move into. Confess to the one you've offended. Now, look up. There's a big, imagine a big neon sign right now. Woo, Pastor Jeff, give me warning, warning. If you're going to do this, and you should, seek the counsel and wisdom of your accountability partner first because great wisdom is required when you confess something to the one you've offended. The last thing I want is some guy to go home tonight and say, sweetheart, I got to tell you something. I cheated on you 12 years ago. Woo, God, I got that off my chest. See ya. No, 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 no. You need wisdom. You need guidance. Ladies, same thing. Don't go home and tell your husband, you know, I had an affair on you six years ago. I feel much better. Pastor Jeff is right. (laughs) No, 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 no. Wisdom, guidance, accountability partner, spiritual advisor, and do this right. There's a young lady that knew uh, vividly what I'm trying to discuss here. She wrote a letter to her mom and dad after she had been in college for three months. I want you to hear it. She says, it's now been, dear mom and dad, now been three months since I left for college. I'm sorry for the thoughtlessness in not having written you before. I'll bring you up to date, but before you read on, you better sit down. I'm getting along pretty well now. The skull fracture and concussion I got when I jumped out of my apartment window when it caught on fire after my arrival here is pretty well healed. I only spent two weeks in the hospital and now I can see almost normally and only get these sick headaches once a day. Fortunately, the fire and my jump were witnessed by Roger, an attendant at the gas station, and he was the one who called the fire department. He also visited me in the hospital, and since I had nowhere else to live, he was kind enough to invite me to share his apartment. He's a very fine man, and we are planning to get married soon. We haven't set the date, though, but it will be before my pregnancy begins to show. (laughs) His divorce is final now. He shares the custody of his three children. Second paragraph. The reason for the delay in our marriage is that Roger has a minor infection which prevents us from passing our premarital blood test and I carelessly caught it from him. This will soon clear up with the penicillin injections I'm taking daily. Last paragraph. Now that I brought you up to date, I want to tell you that there was no fire. I did not have a concussion or skull fracture. I was not in the hospital. I'm not pregnant. I'm not engaged. I do not have syphilis and there's no divorced man in my life. However, I did get a DNR and an F in biology and... <laughs> And I wanted you to see these marks in their proper perspective. (laughs) That's a wise woman right there. That's smart right there. Now, I'm not suggesting you do it quite that way. (laughs) But if you are willing to confess and go through the fire, listen to what David writes after this whole endeavor. This is beautiful. I love this. He writes, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and whose spirit is no deceit. Do you realize that David was called a man after God's own heart even after all this? And do you know why? Because even in the midst of his sin, he was never so far gone that God could not reach him. Has God reached you today?
Are you so far gone that still, even through these words, you're unreachable? David could still be reached. And when Nathan, the prophet, comes to David and confronts David with his sin, rather than David making excuses, concealing and covering up, I want you to listen to what happened. Second Samuel chapter 12, verse 13. So David said to Nathan, in other words, this is David's response. I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord has put away your sin. You will not die. This is amazing. That one little verse, can you imagine that? I mean, do you know the story of when Nathan comes to David? He says, David, tells him a little story about a little you lamb. We can't go there. Don't have time. But he, he says, God is going to get you. That's what Nathan says to David. Man, he gave you everything. Made you the anointed one. Gave you the throne. You were the king. Man, you had everything. You had food. You had the palace. Gifts all from God. And God said, or Nathan said, and God told me to tell you this too. If you weren't, if you wanted more and all that wasn't enough, if you would have just asked, he would have given you that too. Wow. But now, because you have sinned against Uriah, killed him, committed adultery with Bathsheba, you shall surely die. It's amazing. All this big speech. And then David says, I've sinned against God. Okay, you're not going to die now. That's amazing to me. It's like God said, okay, that's all. I just wanted to make sure we're good. We're good. Let's, let's hang out. <laughs> that is the depth of the mercy and grace of God. Last week on Sunday night, I came out and I was talking to the, uh, the, the, I was talking to the, <laughs> I was talking to the uh, college kids, Sunday night, big service. And this is kind of a makeshift altar that we had here like we did. And I asked them to come forward. And it, it, it was just mesmerizing to see all those college students come down and kneel with tears in their eyes. Because, you know, there were, it's a tough world for these guys. And confession that was happening all around me. And I stood up to close and I saw a, a, a rather large guy here and some other people around. And the look in their eyes, I'd seen it before and I, I knew what they were asking. Without words, they were saying, Pastor Jeff, are you sure? Are you sure God can forgive me? I mean, you don't know what I've done. Are you positive? Man, it's like the spirit of God. Oh, I love it when the anointing comes down. You know, I'm Pentecostals will struggle with that. But the anointing comes down. And it's like God just opens a pastor's eyes. I said, hey, guys, if you say that the blood of Jesus does not cover your sin, you've committed a worse sin than whatever it is you're thinking about. You've just told God that his provision is not good enough that the blood of Jesus is not effective. And that's worse than whatever it is you've done. And it's like their eyes, they're big smiles, just big smiles. And then Frank came out and did that song, Oh Happy Day. Did you like that? Yeah. And then they stood up. They were, everybody praising. And it was like, it's like heaven, man. And I want you to hear that. No matter what it is, the Westminster Confession says, and I don't often quote it, as there is no sin so small, but it deserves damnation. So there is no sin so great that it can bring damnation on those who truly repent. No sin so great. Whatever it is that you've done, don't conceal it, man. You want your life back? Confess it. How? Get a spiritual accountability partner. Let them guide you through it. But as long as it's there, there will be a wedge between you and God and you and every other relationship and you will not know what it's like to really live. So I want to give you time to do that. Father, I thank you for the power of your word. 
Thank you for the power and measure of grace. Thank you that you remind us that concealing is never the way to go. That if we will humble ourselves and we will confess our sins, that you are quick and sure to forgive us. And happy is the man whose sins are forgiven. Blessed is the man whose sins are separated as far as the east is from the west. And I would pray in Jesus' name now that healing will come into lives that so desperately need it. Your word would not return void and lives would be changed in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us on Today with Jeff Vines. That's the end of lessons learnt from David and Bathsheba. As David wrote, happy is the person whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sin is covered. Next time, we'll hear a final message in our series on David. When dreams don't come true, what do you do? Because David is on the donkey and his dreams are not coming true. He feels like, God, you promised me that my name would be great. Through the lineage would come the Messiah. Today with Jeff Vines. For more from Pastor Jeff, head to vision.org.au forward slash Jeff Vines. Today with Jeff Vines. Just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.